Hey folks, and welcome back to But Not All at Once, the podcast where you fit right in if you spend more money on library finds than you would have if you just bought the book new on Amazon. I'm your host, Ann Smith. Today we're talking to Danielle Sorrells, a mother of four young children who is determined to show the world that fat can be just a noun, that it's possible to take the sting out of words that usually hurt, to look different than your average yoga model but still pursue wellness, and to encourage and teach those around you even if you haven't crossed the finish line yourself yet. I think you're really going to love getting to know her. So we're here with Danielle Sorrells, a fellow mother of four. My first memory of Danielle is seeing her stroll into the gym that we both go to with a wagon literally full of children. Yes. So can you tell us kind of the age range, how long you've been parenting? Um, I have four children. My oldest boy is five, and I have a three-year-old boy, a two-year-old girl, and a 10-month-old little girl. I'm new to parenting, but kind of a veteran if it comes to numbers. Yeah. So when you tell people that you have four children, first of all, how much do you enjoy the look on their faces. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's the best is when they ask the ages. Four is a lot for people to comprehend, but four ages five and under. So you essentially had four in four years. I feel like I've been pregnant or newly postpartum for a a long time. You have continuously. So one thing that we talk about in actual life when we're not being recorded is the number of, I wouldn't say stupid because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but I would say particularly not helpful Mm -hmm. things people say to us when they see a woman with multiple children in public and it doesn't even have to be four. It can be two. It can be three if they're young. There seems to be a very narrow window for what is generally accepted to be, you know, perhaps your two children, three years apart. Right. And anything that strays from that pattern is noteworthy and needs to be reinforced verbally to you by strangers (laughs) in the grocery store. That's the truth. So tell me what, let's say you walk into a, what what kind of a store do you walk into? Because by the way, it is an undertaking. It is an undertaking. Um, And, you know, I'm so thankful for things like Walmart grocery pickup because I don't take the kids to the store very All often. All the praise hands for the yes. Walmart grocery pickup. But there are occasions. Um, last week, I took everybody to Walmart, which, you know, Walmart's just a fun place to be anyways. But If you want to feel good about yourself... You get oh, your yeah. hand into a Walmart. Oh, but I blended in so well because I was fresh from the gym, nice and sweaty, no mm-hmm. makeup, and... My kids, you know, my Come older, you are. yes, you know, we, we blended in quite well. Minus yeah. the fact that there were five of you, but yes. one of you was an adult. I wonder, I would love to get in a little time machine, pop back a decade or so mm-hmm. and just hear what would I have said, even just to myself, because I'm confident I wouldn't have vocalized it to a mother of four tiny children. First of all, I feel like I'm not judgmental about many things, but people who leave their grocery carts in the middle of a parking yes. lot for no apparent reason. If you're not in a handicapped spot, if you, if you, however, have four small children, I feel like you get a pass. You prop those front wheels up oh. on a curb and you do the best you can. Lady. You park by the cart return. That's, That's just how you do great. it. Smart. <laughs> Lesson number one, someone should yes. teach that to all of us. When I got pregnant with my first, I have a friend who, that was her one piece of advice, is always park by the cart return. No one tells you these things. Mm-hmm. At baby showers, literally the only thing I remember hearing was, you will go through so many diapers, you can't believe it, followed by wild, riotous laughter. And then sleep when the baby sleeps, which will make you bang your head against the wall (laughs) when the actual baby arrives. My children, I'm a few years ahead of you. So ours are nine, newly down to three. So we're a little bit ahead of you in this process. And they are now at a point where they're comprehending things that people are saying to us. Mm -hmm. That is the age, I think, those age ranges at which 
they start to really perceive people's shock Mm -hmm. or are they all yours? Or perhaps I realize you're not pregnant today, but if you were Mm -hmm. that level of you're pregnant again, you know, my oldest was five when I was pregnant with my fourth and was around when I announced that to people and that level of wait, why, how did you know this? Are you Mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. That was my favorite. Are you okay? Not actually offering any help of any kind, but just tell me, tell me the gossip girl. Uh How upset are you right now? What does that look like when you go out in public? Are they aware? They're not really aware. They don't know any different, but everybody else is pretty aware. We get a lot of positive. We do get a lot of positive. You know, you have a beautiful family. I've gotten that several times. And it's funny because the extremely negative and the extremely positive both come from mostly the older people. But I get, you know, some little ladies that, you know, just, oh, they're so good. Like they'll watch me walk through, you know, up and down a couple aisles and they'll stop me and, Tell me how well behaved they are, how good they are. It just feels like Even when bucks. they're not, you know, they're screaming and begging for toys. And it helps me get through the rest of Walmart. A little boost of serotonin yes. that never did anyone wrong. Right. I think you do feel freer, perhaps mm-hmm. once you cross about 75 to 80. The filter lifts a little bit. And I can already see it in myself. I feel like the little old lady. Mm-hmm. I want to come up to folks in Target and say... I know everyone tells you this, but it does go by so fast and you are doing a great job and it is going to be okay. Just go home and snuggle that baby in a recliner (laughs) and take a nap. And I remember thinking when it was my first child, I mean, if your baby was six months older than mine, you literally had no knowledge you could offer me. Right. You're not in the same boat, girlfriend. Yeah. Keep it to yourself. And now I realize that was probably very short-sighted. So I do want to offer that wisdom. And the other piece of wisdom I wish I could offer my earlier mom self is about the fact I'm I'm a person who prefers to be in control and the Lord laughs at you every time you struggle with that which is just a moment by moment situation for a person like me but one thing that you lose control of pretty immediately upon finding out you're pregnant is your body yes it is, it is a very, and oftentimes I think that's how people determine that they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Something is different. What is happening to mm-hmm. me? So we both met in a gym and the vibe of this gym is not a grunting, man heavy, slinging weights, proving what we can do kind of place, right. which is a godsend. Yes. But I would love to talk about your approach to wellness, Mm -hmm. to taking care of yourself. I mean, the idea that you can even attempt to take care of yourself in a span of four years where it's just baby, 10 minute Mm -hmm. pause, baby, (laughs) 10 minute pause. Pretty much. So tell me about what that looks like. Tell me about your approach to that Mm -hmm. altogether. Well, I've always been interested in wellness from kind of a holistic approach, mind, body, spirit. About 10 years ago, really started trying to kind of achieve wellness. I had been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis about 15 years ago. And because of medications and lifestyle, my weight got out of control. And that just made things worse. And I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I definitely wasn't my best self. So during that time, I had really just kind of gotten to a point where I was disgusted with myself. Not necessarily what I saw in the mirror. Um, I have a pretty healthy self-image, thank goodness. But it was more just the way that I felt. We were leading a very busy life. And so there was a lot of takeout and a lot of, I just felt like I was sweating Arby sauce. It was that point where I was like, something's got to change. So I made some drastic changes in my life and that was before kids. So, you know, I had two hours to give at the gym every single day. I was working out a lot and working out pretty heavy. That's when I started um, really getting into yoga and kind of starting looking at 
health and wellness from a more holistic point of view rather than just losing weight. Um, I was eating very healthy. I dropped about 80 pounds. was the fittest I'd ever been in my life. My rheumatoid arthritis went into remission. I felt great. And then I had an injury that um, triggered the rheumatoid back. That was the year that we started trying to get pregnant. And we went through some fertility struggles. And so fertility meds and having to shuffle around rheumatoid meds around trying to get pregnant... I gained every so bit of that back. you can't take rheumatoid arthritis medicines while you're trying to get Some you can, mm-hmm. but the ones that you can are steroids mm-hmm. um, and, you know, stuff that messes with your metabolism. And so I ballooned right back up. Um, I kept the weight off for about two years and then put most of it back on. And just, you know, we ended up, you know, through fertility medicine and it took us about five years we ended up getting pregnant and five years to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then in five more years, you've had four babies. Crazy so that's kind of where things derailed, I guess. And you know, when you're pregnant, you just, you take joy in eating all the things. And you, there's a whole lot going on. You're yes. Really, it's yes. it's the, the smallest fish you have to fry. Right. And thankfully, over all of my pregnant, I gained 25 pounds in my first pregnancy. I think nine in my second, four in my third, and none in my my fourth. So I didn't gain a lot of weight during my pregnancies. Not because I was eating well, just because the luck of the draw. You know, once we kind of settled into, okay, I think that we're done. So it really kind of put me back in the mindset that it's time to take care of me um, because I I need to be healthy. It's a long term. Plan. Yes. And I mean, there's I, something I, to knowing what you're doing now won't be undone. Right. By yes. the future. You know, if you have another yes. baby, it won't be carried in your body. Yeah. So knowing that that won't be kind of yes. changed. It's, it's a mental switch that just happens that it's like when you know, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to take care of myself. I'm ready to get back on, on track. Um, and, you know, there's so much through all those pregnancies, you don't just gain and lose weight. You, you go through maternal depletion. Your hormones are crazy. And that, you know, has a big, you know, to do with, with what you're eating, with how you're moving your body. And and when we say maternal depletion, we mean the depletion of nutrients. Yes. Kind of what your body has at a baseline. Yes, exactly. And so trying to get back to that place um, of, you know, a healthy whole person, getting your nutrition back and your your body just back to where it needs to be, your hormones balanced. And did you breastfeed or are you breastfeeding? Um, I breastfeed for a little bit. I'm not currently. So, um, and that has an effect too yes, on the hormones absolutely. and the, certainly your nutrients and your body's yes. level of energy. It's crazy. It's all of that. And it's still, even though, you know, it's been 10 months since I've had a baby, it's been five months since I breastfed. It's, it's still going to be another two years before my body's yes. at least like, Hey, I'm kind of normal. Yes. So, you know, I, I have to keep that in mind as I'm, you know, pushing towards goals and give myself grace to get there when I get there and just do what I know is right. And there may not be there. Right. I think that's right. really hearing you mention kind of achieving wellness. Mm-hmm. You know, we view it as a capital W wellness. Right. Like I will know it. This bell will clang right. and everyone will applaud for me and it will just be a finished act. But it's not like that. It's, it's <laughs> a constant moving, you know, conveyor belt that you just keep plugging along on and... And that yeah. can be discouraging on the front end. It can especially be. Especially if you have 80 pounds to lose. Well, or, and if you're a goal-oriented person, you know, I'm very like, you know, let's let's set goals. Let's set intentions. Let's move towards this thing. And, you know, if it's something that you're never going to like, it's not a prize you're going to grab or, you know, mm-hmm. be awarded. Um, that's It's really hard. It's, so what does that goal look like? If So for me, 
weight loss just really can't be a goal. Mm-hmm. It goes to a really yes, not super awesome place. Mm-hmm. It's my sweet husband likes to say it, perhaps not the best version of yourself, <laughs> which yes. is a euphemism for your absolutely bananas. Yeah. So when your goal isn't numbers based, mm-hmm. and even for me, you know, I prefer to work out X number of times a week. Well, the last four weeks in the middle of this season, my children have been sick one right. after another, and it's just not been possible for me. So even holding to a specific number in that realm isn't great. Mm-hmm. So what do your goals look like when they are not like a quantitative statement on a piece of paper? I have affirmations that I hang on my mirror, and um, one of them is just that I make good decisions. That's my goal is to, at the end of the day, to know that I make good decisions. And that good decision might be a cookie at the end of the day, because maybe that's what I need emotionally. Mm-hmm. But six cookies at the end of the day is a bad decision. Because um, then you feel horrendous. Right. And, you know, I, I, I love your like no way 19. I think that is amazing. It's when a I first, it, it is because when you're like results oriented, it's yes. very hard. But when I first started back in August at the gym, I decided I was not going to weigh myself for the first month. And um, that was probably one of the best things that I did. Mm-hmm. I know I lost weight that first month. The first three months that I was back at the gym, I lost the most weight. And I'm kind of curious as to how much I lost. Right. But at the same time, it doesn't matter because I was creating habits. So my goals really are just to make good decisions. When I get up in the morning, Morning. I like to go to the gym every day because it creates routine. I've really struggled with feeling like I need to change my workout routine because the workouts I enjoy are yoga and swimming. I really enjoy that. But I'm not going to drop pounds really fast doing yoga. So, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, well, I should be slinging weights more. I should be doing more cardio. I should be... The shoulds will kill you. Right? But it came down to, I had a discussion with a friend and I just realized I am doing something that's sustainable because I enjoy it. I hate cardio. Oh my gosh, I hate cardio. (laughs) If I get in the gym and I run and I, you know, I'm doing all this cardio, I'll lose some weight. But in a month, I'm going to hate it and I'm not going to want to go. And then I'm going to stop going to the gym as often. And then it's just... It's going to be pointless. So, you know, I'll do my yoga four days a week. I'll do my swimming two days a week. And I'm swimming enough to get enough cardio to be healthy. Mm. I'm doing enough yoga to build strength. you're running after four children. I am. Which is a form of (laughs) exercise in and of itself. Yes, it is. But just doing something sustainable that I wake up in the morning and I look forward to going. To me, that is more important because it is still moving me on that conveyor belt of health. And I think the two words you just said that were so powerful that if we were writing this out, I would underline twice would be sustainable mm-hmm. and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Because A, if it's not sustainable, it's it's essentially worthless. Right. And yes. B, if you don't enjoy it, it can't be sustainable and it, and it can't be healthy for you. Right. It's been a number of years using cardio in a very punitive mm-hmm. manner yes. in a compensating. I ate this, so now mm-hmm. we're going to pay for it here. Yeah. And I had a, I haven't been here in, to the gym in a while. So we're going to make up for it with 90 minutes of mm-hmm. excessive cardio and that psychological treadmill more than anything else. Well, I think that's where we have to look at the whole picture of wellness. It's not just about your physical body. You know, we want to be emotionally health- well. We want to be physically well. We want to be spiritually well. And all of those things have to work together. That's why I hate the phrase, nothing tastes as good as, as good as skinny feels. I know a lot of very miserable skinny people. So, you know, I, I wish that we could just erase that 
that phrase. It's a, it's a remarkably unhealthy phrase, particularly the, the strongest memory I have tied to that. Um, I remember those after-school movies that used to come on to teach us special morals. Mm-hmm. And I remember one about eating disorders and seeing these two girls, one of whom was a guest star on Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I don't know where my keys are, but I can tell you right. she was a guest star <laughs> on Dawson's Creek. And she said, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. That was the first introduction at mm-hmm. 13 or 14 that I had to that concept and thinking, yeah, no, probably. Absolutely. That is correct information, which yeah. this, this so movie sad. was absolutely shown as a warning. Yeah. And I watched it, heard those signals and thought, forget that noise. Let's focus in right. on these adorable little blonde girls. Yes. Who were everything I've ever wanted to be since I was tiny. Maybe nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Right. And I hope I, a, we don't use the word skinny yes. in our home. We don't, we don't use the word fat. Yeah. Um, we like to talk about what our bodies do mm-hmm. in terms of helping us run really fast, mm-hmm. helping us carry these heavy things. But how does that definition change? So nothing tastes as good as skinny feels mm-hmm. perhaps when you're in your twenties and you don't have tiny people watching your every move. What matters that much to you now? Just, I just want to feel good. Like what it boils down to is I just want to feel good. I just, I want to feel good. And I want, now that I have girls, I realize the impact of my words and my actions. My parents were amazing at instilling a healthy self-image in me with their words and with the actions that they pointed at me. But what they said to themselves. I knew exactly where you were going with this. My mother was a yo-yo dieter. And I remember watching her go from size 6 to size 16 to size 8 to size 22 to size 6 again, just up and down from as early as I can remember. My mom had a lot of trauma as a child geared towards her looks. I My mother's a beautiful woman, but she had nicknames like Ugg and Homer and... It really, I mean, she was an awkward looking, I mean, she was an awkward teen. We she, all, we we all, all were, we all were, but she had a lot against her. She was overweight, freckles, red hair and glasses, which I personally find endearing and adorable, Precious, yes. but you know, back in the seventies, it, it was a different time and we were a lot less accepting. And so she had a lot of trauma around her looks and she, she still carries that insecurity with her. But I think because she had gone through so much of that, she was very, very proactive with me. You know, you are beautiful. You are smart. Anytime I would say anything negative about myself, my mom had this activity that if I said anything negative about myself, she would make me list 10 things about myself that were good, that were positive. That must have been agonizing. It was miser- misery. Mm. But it had to be taped to my door for a full week. There were some weeks that there were four and five lists of 10 themes, and they had to be different. It couldn't mm. be the same. So I mean, staking work. Imagine a twelve-year-old like. Uh, Let me dig deep, really deep. I have nice shoes. Like, and I was coming up with my ankles are not horrendous, right? They were really, really good about about that. But it's still, it's a generational. It really is. But knowing that even though my mom could be so proactive to instill good self-image in me, but I still could take that negative by watching what she did makes me very aware that as my girls get older, they're not just going to hear my words. They're going to watch how I treat myself, how I take care of myself, where I put my focus on myself, and that's going to impact them as adults. And I don't want them to go through life thinking that there is a certain size that they need to be to be pretty or to be accepted. I want them to know that it is what is inside them, that it is important to be healthy. It is definitely important to be healthy. 
But you can be healthy. For health's sake. Yes. And you can be healthy at a size 2 and you can be healthy at a size 16. You can be very unwell at a size 2 as well. Yes, you can. Absolutely. I have been that person, so I yeah. can say that with certainty. So what are you doing? Because your girls are young enough to perhaps not really internalize mm-hmm. all of this. So in a way... I feel like you've got a little wiggle room. I do. I do. Figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you will send me all the notes because I've got <laughs> my daughters are newly seven and mm-hmm. newly three, and I already notice not so much the way I talk about their bodies, but mm-hmm. the way that other people right. notice and talk about the way they look. It's one thing when it's about you. I think mm-hmm. you almost can let it yes. just flow right over you. And when it is the people that you've carried and grown and think are absolutely flawless, like. I always say carved out of butter, dropped from the heavens, (laughs) just so perfect. It's a different story. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? You have a little time to practice. What are you practicing? Well, one thing I'm, I'm really, even just for myself, kind of trying to be proactive is to take the stigma away from certain words. There are certain words that mean what they mean. That doesn't mean it's bad. I mean, fat for one. Fat is fat. And it doesn't mean that that's bad. As a noun? Exactly. Yes. Um, no, it's not. You don't want to call anybody names right. at all, regardless right. of what that word is. But I remember a couple of years ago, a little girl, she was probably five years old, and she came up and she grabbed my arm. I've always been a little bit self-conscious of my arm size. And she said, um, you have fat arms. And her mom was mortified. I'm mortified. Sure. But it was a, a very awakening moment to me because I just naturally, it didn't bother me. I was like, you know what? They are fat arms and that's okay. Cause everybody's a different size. Yes. Yeah, she, she didn't mean it with any malice. Right. And so I feel like my reaction handled that. Cause I was like, that's, that's okay. I do have fat arms and that's okay. You know, we don't, we don't necessarily want to point out things about people's right. bodies because the, that's not very nice, but but there's, there was nothing. She didn't need to be punished. She didn't need to be scolded. She, she made an observation, and it was a true observation, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, Taking the power and the sting yes. out of that. And so, you know, I want my girls to be able to hear things that maybe are intended for for to hurt and just to be like, and are you trying to hurt me? Because I understand that that's just an observation, and it's not a big deal. And it might be your opinion. Right, exactly. It might be fact, in which case it's not hurtful, and it might be your opinion, in which case... Keep it to yourself. It may not matter to me in the slightest. Right. And I think the word fat is definitely thrown about. I am very loath to use that word Mm -hmm. simply because it is something that an internal voice has used so much, Mm -hmm. that there's so much power in that. You know, I remember my little boy, when he was probably two, touching my leg and saying, your leg is so big, mama. I remember my husband saying to me very calmly, imagine you are his height. Right, right. It is his perspective on the Mm -hmm. world. Everything is huge. Right. He isn't old enough to know that there is a perceived value in the thinness or fatness of a piece of your body. Mm -hmm. It was, your leg is larger than mine. And when we react with that, like, oh, you made an observation, we take the power away from the negative connotation of that word. Yes. And perhaps we teach the people around us who hear that Mm -hmm. and see that interaction to do the same, to take the power back from from that word. That being said, Mm -hmm. I would love to move into a culture, small children aside, 
Right. Where we don't talk about other people's right, and that's one thing that I do try to, especially my boys, because they're in an age where they observe and they speak, right, which is loads of fun. One thing I always tell them is we don't make comments about people's bodies. Right. Everybody's body's different, and that's okay. We don't need to make comments about what you know what shape and size they are. We can make ob- observations in our head. We don't need to verbalize. We and, keep them there, right, right. We were in a they call it the haircut store. You purchase a haircut. It is a haircut store. There you go. We were in a haircut store, and I. Remember Remember my oldest saying to me at full volume, there's no other volume for these kind of observations. Why is that man in here? He doesn't have any hair. Are they going to make him pay for that? <laughs> and I thought, how do you even respond? Because yes, right. this was a man who didn't have a great deal of hair. That is accurate. I don't think he was, you know, being taken advantage of by being asked to pay for a professional <laughs> service that was provided to him. I am quite certain he didn't hear, which I'm very deeply grateful for. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it's that same kind of no judgment. He mm-hmm. had no sense that more hair might be better than less hair. So just taking the concept of we don't necessarily talk mm-hmm. about other people around. Right. That's a very powerful concept. I think not many adults necessarily yeah. understand. I've found that A, both about bodies and B, about life choices. Yes. Particularly with a larger family. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. for you, particularly with a large family that happened in a relatively Mm -hmm. short period of time. How does that unfold for you? Do you take the power out of their words by feeling good about your life choices? You know, we struggled to get pregnant. And there were times where I thought that I would be childless for the rest of my life. So... What a blessing to have four children and to have them so close together. And even to have them, you know, my first two were fertility babies. My last two were the easiest, I mean... To stork drop them off. Exactly. So what a blessing. And so I try to remind people of that, like, especially when it's somebody close to me who's... Mm. Because we've had some family members make comments. Sure. Sometimes it's just shock talking more than anything else. Oh, you know. We've had family members ask, when when is Jimmy getting a vasectomy? I'm like, how is that any of your business? Literally none. (laughs) Literally none of your business. And I want to just shake them and remind them and, you know... We struggled to get pregnant. We wanted nothing more than to have children. And now we have four beautiful children. What a shame for me to look at that as a negative thing. Sure. Well, I mean, how ungrateful would I be? That would be horrible. And it hurts my heart to think that you think of them that way. Right, right. Not everyone does. Sometimes they're speaking without thinking, and that's a thing that happens to the best of us. Yeah. Well, sometimes I just, like, I want to get in their head and be like, what is what, what are you thinking when you say these words? Because I just don't understand. When people make comments, I shrug it off. Also, just remind them that they're not paying for them. I'm not asking for their help. If they're not actively babysitting for me on a regular basis for free, paying my bills, you know, I don't care. Like, I'm the one doing all the work. You're not the one getting up, you know, three and four times in the middle of the night. So, so what I like to think about in those moments is, okay, flash forward 20 or 30 mm-hmm. years when our children are out of the home, successfully lodged, and we see that person in public. How does that inform the way that we walk into the world? And I would love to be just a ceaseless cheerleader for Mm -hmm. a woman who is undoubtedly exhausted, worn down. (laughs) Can I watch your cart while you run into the bathroom Mm -hmm. level solidarity? But I also think about what that means as a Mm mother-in-law, as a family member, who wants to be supportive. There, there will be decisions my children and their spouses make that I 
more than certainly do not agree with. Right. What does that look like for you when you picture yourself in 20 years, knowing what you hear now? Mm -hmm. Looking at it from a mother-in-law standpoint, I think is really, really good. I often, often think about how will my boys describe me to a girl they want to bring home? I'm very passionate. Um, I have a, a ministry idea of kind of marrying generations of the older women with young um, mothers because I feel like there's such that. a need where, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of us young mothers who, you know, we have small children. We are exhausted where we just want a break. We just want to drink our coffee without somebody sitting on top of us while it's still hot. You know, we want a 10 minute nap. We want, it's, it's little luxuries that we just Going want. To and to, exactly. And a lot of us, especially in this area, because Greenville, there's a lot of transplants. We either don't have family close or we are not emotionally close with our family or for whatever reason, there's not somebody to come in and help us with those things. And so the only people that we have to reach out to are other moms who are tired and struggling and exhausted. So, yeah, Susie, you can bring your three kids over so you can go to the grocery store, but I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> I love you. I want to help you, and I will help you. But it, and it's such, and then to be the mom who is reaching out for help, like, I see you struggling. I can't ask you for help. Right. You know, I don't. Not I don't want to add a burden. Exactly. And so there needs to be these older women who, you know, they're empty nesters. They're retired. Their well is not empty. Exactly. And I know there are, are these, I mean, I see them at the grocery store that just sure. pine after my the children. Yeah. Rocking those babies on Sunday. And there's got to be, a, there's a ministry opportunity. And I just have to figure out the logistics. But to marry these, Older women who just long to hold babies and these young moms who just want some help for, you know, even just little things like, I don't know how to make homemade bread, but I told, you know, our small group, I'd bring bread tomorrow. Who's going to help me with that? Can we marry these generations and put these women together so that they can both draw from each other? Which is very likely how it was 100, 200, 500 years ago. But we've become a society where it's just not, you know, the old people don't like the young people. The young people don't like the old people. They think we're irrelevant and the, you know, the whole deal. But it just, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. And if we could do that, we could solve so many problems. I think it, (laughs) I think bridging that gap would be very valuable. And I think one, one thing I love about you is that I think you're seeking ways to find common ground among different populations. Mm -hmm. So, whether that's necessarily the traditional wellness community. You know, if I go on Instagram and I search some of your common fitness hashtags, right? I am not going to pull up the photo of a woman who looks like a human I might see on the street. Right, exactly. Or particularly a woman in her 30s who has had a taco or a baby. Right. How your brain works, what you're, <laughs> what you're seeing in that space, because so many of us are a siloed at home mm-hmm. with a, a phone and some Wi-Fi as our only connection. Right. We're looking at pictures on Instagram that certainly don't reflect what's happening mm-hmm. in the microcosm around us. And we're feeling alone, even though we have more mm-hmm. connectivity than we've ever had. Yeah. How does that inform what you're doing? Well, I think a few years ago, God just kind of gave me the word grace and I've really been trying to pull that word through my life in every area and not just to give myself grace, but to give others grace. And so for me in all areas, that just looks like acceptance and accessibility. And there are things that I have you know, been passionate about or wanted to do 
that I I have not moved forward with because I felt like I didn't fit the mold. Um, working towards my yoga teacher training, I started a yoga practice, a personal practice, about ten years ago, and I had a teacher who saw something in me and you know made comments about me you know moving in and out of flows very well and that I would make a good yoga teacher for X Y and Z reasons and. It really got me thinking and I really was like, this is something I'd love to pursue. But who would want to learn about health and wellness from someone that looks like me? And 10 years ago, there wasn't people like Diane Bondi mm-hmm. or, you know, um, Amber Carnes who founded the, um, the body positive yoga and things like there wasn't that, there wasn't a movement like that for me to see that there were people like me mm-hmm. who were, it was, was yoga DVDs. Exactly. And they were white, thin, and usually blonde, uh, very bendy. And that's what yoga looks like. And I didn't fit that mold. So I didn't, I didn't think it was something I could do. But, you know, now there, we have more accessibility to all the things, good and bad. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I've been very inspired by, you know, a lot of different people who have kind of forged ahead and paved the way for accessible, inclusive, and not just in, in yoga. That's just a really good example, but in all areas of things that I, I want to do. And, and it doesn't fit a mold. I look for other people that are doing what I want to do that look like me or that think like me or that have the same circumstances as me. And, once I find them, they've taken away my excuses, so it's time to move forward. Time to be exceptional. Yes. And then that, that blanket of grace is just, I don't have to be at the peak of wellness to be knowledgeable about it and to help guide others into a better life as far as wellness and fitness goes. So, so I can become a yoga teacher. I may not be able to do handstands. And you know what? You know, like Big Booty Yoga is my absolute favorite. Her name's Katie. She is everything I want to be when I grow up. She is a um, a body positive advocate. Um, she's a yoga teacher. She inspires me on so many levels. If what she has done for me, if I can do that for someone else, even if I'm not great at yoga, I'm not. Yoga is not something you get great at, right? Exactly. If somebody can see my picture of me doing some not perfect pose and say, I can do that. Oh, if she can go to this, you know, level two, three yoga class every week and do it, maybe I can. And if I can inspire somebody else the same way that I've been inspired by others, then that's all it's about. That's all that I need to do. So if you could look back at at the Danielle a decade ago, Mm -hmm. or even just a mom who's lost herself what would you say what do you wish someone had spoken to you all those years ago do what you want to do if you've been given a vision people don't just just randomly get visions and ideas i do believe that those are god-given and if god's given you a vision for what that you need to do with your life move forward just move forward don't worry about the details don't don't pick it apart don't don't sit and spend hours coming up with all the reasons why you can't Take that time and be more productive and come up with all the ways that you can, all the reasons you should, and and keep those in front of you because that's what's going to motivate you when one of those reasons that you can't gets pointed out to you. Just do it. Just stop talking about it. Stop. That's what's the worst that happens. Right. Exactly. You maybe advance a little bit instead Mm -hmm. of all the way. Right. I think I love um, the most about what you're saying, the idea that the results really aren't the end game. No, no. It's not achievement, but it's not about the gold star. It's about moving. Mm-hmm. Just 
just try. And it's just a shift in perspective. Um, you know, I, I'm an achiever. I want to achieve. But if I can just achieve progress instead of perfection, if I can make progress the, the achievement, the goal, the star that I need to get, just progress. And if I can do that, then... You're winning. Yeah. Progress, not perfection. That has been my saying with my children. Because it's very hard as an achiever when you have little children that mess your house up and ruin things. Yes. Progress, not perfection. And that has been a big, um, that's been our bed-making motto. Progress, not perfection. Which is such a metaphor for everything big in life. Your bed-making yes. motto can really apply to any number of circumstances for people you, big and small. How did you make it through a three-year-old making their bed? Like, that has um, been well, the most mostly, stressful thing Mostly, I would say they don't make their beds <laughs> is how we make that. Um, also, the girls now have what I call sleeper cars yes. with curtains. They're so Making cool. your bed is easy when you just pull the curtains closed. So I'm yeah. trying to figure out a way that that can translate to a queen-size bed. Hmm. Stay tuned, yeah. because that is my life goal. Right, you can't see me, and therefore <laughs> none of this mess exists. Nice. So when people hear this podcast, mm-hmm. which by the way, talk about not aiming for a gold star, we are not here to break subscription records. <laughs> We're just here to talk to some one person. Right. Yes. Yeah. How can this one person find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram. I am Fat Bottom Mama. Fat underscore bottomed underscore mama, M-A-M-A. And that's probably the best way that they can reach me. Um, There's a lot of other social media stuff in the works, but nothing nailed down quite yet. It's a work in progress. Um, it is. It's a work in progress. I love that. Well, I'm so thankful for your time. Yes. And um, really thankful to have run into you in that wagon full of children. Absolutely. Many months ago. And hope you'll come back and talk to us soon. Absolutely. That's it for today's But Not All at Once. Thanks so much for joining us, y'all. I hope you'll subscribe because we have a lot to talk about this season, and I don't want you to miss a single story. If you love what we're doing, would you consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? It would mean the world, like more than a porch drop of a large Chick-fil-A sweet tea with pellet ice. It's a big deal. Come join the conversation at But Not All at Once on Instagram, or email me directly at butnotallatonce at gmail.com. As always, I'm Ann Smith, and I'll see you right here next week. Bye, guys.